Welcome to our newest Hearts Unite the Globe hug patrons. Annie Olchek, we sincerely appreciate your support. Thank you for joining our community and making a difference through Patreon. Judy Miller, thank you for being our first Buzzsprout supporter for Bereave But Still Me. Buzzsprout started a new program where you can actually support the podcast of your choice. There are so many ways you can support Hug. All you have to do is visit our website, heartsunitetheglobe.com, to see how you too can help empower, educate, and enrich the lives of individuals in the CHD and bereaved communities. Thank you all for your continued support. Welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, featuring your host, Anna Jaworski. Our program is a program designed to empower the CHD or congenital heart defect community. Our program may also help families who have children who are chronically ill by bringing information and encouragement to you in order to become an advocate for your community. Now, here is Anna Jaworski. season of Heart to Heart with Anna. Our theme this season is Carpe Diem Seeds Today, and we have a great show today. This season, we will be discussing an age-old concept, Carpe Diem, which is Latin for Seeds Today, and which is taken from the Roman poet Horace's Odes, written in 23 BC. The Ode says that the future is unforeseen, and that one should not leave to chance future happenings, but rather one should do all one can today to make one's future better. I always love talking with hypoplastic left heart syndrome or HLHS survivors because that was a heart defect my son was diagnosed with 21 years ago. And at that time, the doctors told me that only one in four babies survived the scheduled surgeries, and those were pretty grim statistics. He told us how difficult the surgeries were, how babies died before, during, and after the surgeries, and how difficult the surgical route was overall. But my mind was made up. Without surgery, my son would die, and he was too sick to wait for a heart transplant, so surgery was our only option. So after taking everything in, I finally said to the doctor, what is the good news? He seemed taken aback by my question and paused for a moment, finally saying, well, if he makes it to five years of age, he should be okay. Most of these babies die before then. So while my two-month-old baby was having his modified Norwood procedure, my family was in the waiting room planning Alex's five-year-old birthday party. And the surgeon was right. Alex has done very well. Obviously, he made it to five. He's 21 years old now. And unfortunately, I've met enough HLHS families over the years to know that Alex is exceptional. But today, we have another exceptional survivor. Today's show is Seizing the Day with Miles Schweitzer. Miles Schweitzer is a 25-year-old singer-songwriter, a husband, father of two, and the oldest hypoplastic left heart syndrome survivor in the state of Oklahoma. Miles has had 38 systemic heart attacks, pacemaker replacement, and heart catheterizations. Miles has two heart-healthy children, a six-year-old daughter and three-year-old son. He also has two service dogs, Jack Daniels and Coca-Cola. 
In addition to being a singer-songwriter, Miles has also just produced his friend's first single. He also acted and directed his first music video. Miles is currently in the process of working on a music project entitled This Is For Miles with his project manager, John Jontez Montez from NBC's fourth season of The Sing-Off. So welcome to Heart to Heart with Anna, Miles. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be talking with you, and I'm happy that you're on the show. I believe you are our first singer-songwriter on the show, although I've had other musicians, and in fact, the first guest for season six is also a musician, but he plays folk music, which is really fun, and so totally different from what you're doing. So why don't you tell us a little bit about how your music helps you to seize the day? A lot of my music and songwriting has come from my younger age when I was told by the doctors that there wasn't much I could do. I remember one of the most powerful words in my vocabulary as a child was the word no, and I got that (laughs) a lot. Can I play football? No. Can I play soccer? No. Can I play baseball? No. And so finally one day I looked at my doctor and said, is there anything I can do? And I happened to have a band director who wanted me to play trumpet. He needed a trumpet player and uh, picked it up, loved it, asked my doctor if it was okay, and it was, and just ran with it after that. Became an all-state trumpet player, all-state baritone player, and actually up until my high school year, just did music my whole middle school and high school. And I think really and truthfully, music saved my life. A lot of those who don't know about hypoplastic left heart syndrome, one of the biggest obstacles that we have is blood going back into our lungs and clotting up in our lungs. And because of my music and my trumpet playing and my singing, I've actually been able to keep most of the passageways cleared in my lungs because of the extreme exercises that I have to do to be able to sing. And so it helps me live every day healthy and make it to 25. So music has saved my life and music has also kind of consumed my life because I've been able to use music to not only save me, but to spread awareness. I just recently went to Kansas City. A little girl named Kirabelle who has HLHS was having one of her Fontan surgeries, I believe. And we were able to go up there. We had wrote a song for her. We were able to go up there and sing to her. And it was just an amazing thing to see how music can uplift a child's heart when they're in Mm -hmm. one of the most painful experiences that they're going to have as an HLHS survivor. And I would imagine that your music also uplifted her parents and anybody who had a chance to hear it. And it was really neat because her heart rate had been up. She wasn't getting out of bed at all. They were thinking she might start having onset pneumonia. And Mm -hmm. it was just a really grim, dark place. And, And me and my friend Jonathan went up there, and I think we sang every Frozen song in the entire movie. Um, you got to know. I think right I let it go a little too right much audience. at times. Yeah, yeah. I think we let it go a little too much at times. Um, but we were just, 
She got up out of bed. She had a beautiful smile. Every time we would sing, her heart rate would go down. We were able to play with the nurses so she would take her medicine. I know that's one thing that I hated and still hate as a kid is getting stuff pumped through my IV. It still hurts. Mm -hmm. I think I squirted like four nurses with some saline solution (laughs) and... And we were just able to have a good time. You're a character, Miles. <laughs> you oh, it was character. it was a blast. But it's amazing to see how just taking your time out of the day to drive up to Kansas and to see this little girl completely changed her life. And it was amazing. Sure. It was an amazing experience. Mm-hmm. It does sound amazing. It Oh, it sounds almost like a gift from God which isn't it wonderful when we can play angels and we can be an angel to somebody who really needs someone at that time. I think that's just amazing and exceptional, which is the word that kept coming to my mind when I thought about you and when I think about Alex and so many other survivors, you all are the exceptions. And it's nice to see people like you and my son and other wonderful people who I've met thanks to this radio show and thanks to being in the congenital heart defect community who are using their gifts and talents to help others. I just love that. So unfortunately, a lot of people, when they hear carpe diem or seize a day, they think, oh, that means I have to jump out of an airplane or I have to climb a mountain or something tremendous like that. But what does seize a day mean to you? I guess I'm a little old school. My grandpa was one of my biggest influences growing up. And something about my grandpa is he would give the shirt off his back to anybody he ever met. And I think that's the biggest thing for me to seize the day is to help anybody you can, whenever you can. And I try to pass that on to my kids. I'm lovingly and happily a father of two. And that's one of the greatest things for me is that my kids get to see just how bad the world is, but just how good you can make the world. Mm-hmm. And I think living every day to its fullest, sometimes just means to get up and say, who can I help today? Mm. Who is it that I can make their life a little better? One of my favorite passages in the Bible is in Hebrews, and it says that we're to entertain strangers, for you may be entertaining angels unaware. And I think Mm. about little Kirabelle and us going up there and seeing her. For me, the feeling to get to help her and her become, you know, really she was my angel because I was in a really rough spot myself when we went up there and when we did this. But to mm-hmm. see this little girl who's not even older than my oldest, I mean, she's younger than my oldest going through what I've gone through, and to see mm-hmm. us put a smile on her face, that beats jumping out of an airplane any day to me. <laughs> I mean, I have to agree with you 100%. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. And and the thing is, for me, I've done some pretty crazy things in my life. I've done a couple of wild and crazy things. Took a truck down a 150-foot embankment doing 75. So, you know, I've done some crazy stuff. I unfortunately hydroplaned that night. But I've done some crazy stuff too. But I try to let the good actions that I've done define me and not what I've done to better myself. But what have I done to better other people? I think that's really what seizing the day means to me. That's wonderful. Well, so many people want to seize the day, but 
you know, once you become a parent, all of a sudden, your time is not your own. You're taking care of your children, and there are so many things that you have to do for somebody else that it's difficult to find the time to seize the day yourself. So what advice do you give to parents regarding how they can seize the day and still be good parents? I think you just said it there, at least for me. To seize the day means to be a good parent. Not a perfect one, because I'm not. Don't believe me, just ask my mother. She gives me enough parenting advice to know I'm not the perfect parent. But I think it's to realize that God has given us a canvas, a blank canvas. When you have a young child, you have a blank canvas that you get to paint a masterpiece with. And you need to think about the process as you paint this picture because a lot of times we rush it and we get paint where it doesn't need to be and that's kind of inevitable. But it's kind of the beauty of the masterpiece is some of the flaws. And one thing that I think of for my parenting and as an HLHS survivor, obviously having kids was an amazing thing for me. But one thing that I really tried to do is to show my kids that you can love beyond all measure. One of my quotes that I think has kind of rang out in the HLHS community is, God must have kept half of my heart because he was afraid I would love too hard. And I think that's <laughs> that's my goal to teach my kids is that there's no limit to life when you give back. Mm-hmm. And to teach your kids that you can reach... For the stars, here I am, a 25-year-old HLHS survivor, getting ready to work on a major music project, pushing this out. And there's been times that I get down, and I don't want to do this anymore, and I'm done with it. And then I look at my son or my daughter, and I realize that if I quit, what does that really teach them? And so that's just kind of my philosophy about it, is parents are some of the greatest to seize the day. Because we have these canvases given to us to paint Mm -hmm. beautiful masterpieces. Mm -hmm. I love that. I absolutely love that. That's so beautiful. And that really does mirror how I feel about parenthood myself. Well, Miles, I can't believe how fast the time has gone. We need to take a quick commercial break. But don't leave yet, listeners, because when we come back, we are going to talk to Miles about his philosophy of life in growing up with the severe congenital heart defect and what it was like to get married and to start a family. We'll be right back. Anna Jaworski has written several books to empower the congenital heart defect, or CHD, community. These books can be found at Amazon.com or at her website, www.babyheartspress.com. Her bestseller is The Heart of a Mother, an anthology of stories written by women for women in the CHD community. Anna's other books, My Brother Needs an Operation, The Heart of a Father, and Hypoplastic Left Heart Syndrome, A handbook for parents will help you understand that you are not alone. Visit babyheartspress.com to find out more. Welcome back to our show, Heart to Heart with Anna, a show for the congenital heart defect community. Today's show is Seizing the Day with Miles Schweitzer, a congenital heart defect HLHS survivor, and he has been sharing what Seize the Day means to him and how his heart defect has affected his life, but there is so much more for us to learn from Miles. I have so enjoyed talking to you already, Miles, but I'm wondering what kind of life my own sons will lead when they find the right woman and get married and start their families. That hasn't happened for either of my sons yet, but I'm looking forward to that day. And I'm wondering how your parents reacted to you finding the right woman and then deciding to have children. Well, obviously they were excited as 
parents should be and are, but I think there was a sense of caution due to my heart defect when we decided to have kids. My wife is amazing, love of my life, and she puts up with me, and that was kind of my thing, is I wanted to make sure she could put up with me because that's a lot to deal with. And I think especially for my mother, she was overly excited and has been overly excited about just the ability to see how I've been able to move the boundaries and to break out of these, not necessarily misconceptions, but definitely these ideas that this disease can just hold you back and you can't do anything. I think my mom always kind of treated me normal to a point and let me do normal things to a point. And I think there was some sense of it's okay, and it was an exciting experience for everybody. Yeah. And, of course, you know how it is. They never expected us to live this long. So to actually see me get married was pretty emotional for my mother. I can just imagine. I'm feeling tears come to my eyes just while you're talking. (laughs) You know, I met my wife at beauty college. And we fell in love, and I liked her, she liked me, and really and truthfully, neither of us were were looking for anything at the time. The pieces just kind of fell together. We're polar opposites. I can't stand her music, she can't stand mine. We never agree on where we're going to go eat. Um, Oh, that's so funny. Seriously, everything we are complete opposites on, but we also balance each other very well. I'm very spontaneous. She has to have everything planned out. To a T, I worry about absolutely nothing. She worries about absolutely everything. So uh, her strengths are my weaknesses, and my weaknesses are few and far in between. I believe that. (laughs) That's awesome. And that you can find somebody who is so opposite you, and yet you like that person, you love that person, and you want to spend the rest of your life with that person. That's really beautiful. And it's, it's actually hilarious because if you ever met us in normal circumstances like all our friends say you guys argue 24 7 and we do we argue about everything but it's our way of strengthening each other and it's just our way of showing each other that yeah we both have opinions that are valid let's come to an agreement on this but yeah we argue about everything she thinks the toilet paper roll should be down. I think it should be set up. We're off it. But it's amazing. Well, as a parent of a child who was born with a severe congenital heart defect, I knew that any day really could be his last. And then suddenly I realized, wait a minute, there were no guarantees for anybody. It could be the last day for my husband, for me, for anybody. And so it was at that point that I stopped worrying so much about what the future would hold and just began to cherish each and every day that I had with my family and with my loved ones. So how does living with a severe congenital heart defect like you've had affect your philosophy about how to live? One of the great statements I think that I've somewhat proven wrong, maybe not, but the old saying that there's always somebody out there worse off than you. And when you're kind of one of these kids who are at the bottom and there's really not that many out there that are worse off than you, I think it gives you some kind of knowledge into the world of saying, look, this is how fragile life is. I've been on the edge of it. 
been in cardiac arrest. I've been through the surgeries. I've dealt with ungodly amounts of pain. I still have chronic pain due to a wrong feeding tube, and they pinched a nerve, and I still get clots in my legs. So I still deal with kind of what the worst of health has to offer you, and I've been able to fight it and to come up out of it. And I think that's one of the biggest things that shapes my philosophy about life is when you're at the bottom, there's really only one way to go, and that's up. And for an HLHS survivor to be 25, a father of two, married, I think it says, I hope to the younger generation that, yeah, we're down, but we can still get up and we can Mm -hmm. still live. Mm -hmm. And really, that's what it is. It's to live. It's to wake up every day and say, I'm going to do something, whether it's make a sandwich, whether it's take your kid out to a walk, whether it's dealing with your two dogs. It's getting up and doing something every day to push forward. And I think that's how I live is day to day, and it drives my wife crazy. (laughs) She has has to plan. Like, I don't think you understand. She really has to have her life planned out, and I'm day to day, fly by the seat of your pants. Like, I'm I'm serious. I'm just like your wife. I'm the planner. (laughs) Oh, really? I think she literally found out about this interview yesterday when she got home. (laughs) Like, all of this is, this is improv. I don't have any notes. There's nothing (laughs) written down. This is all improv. This is my life. Oh, Miles, you are so funny. Well, you warned me that you would make me laugh a lot, and you have definitely done that. I tried. We do need to take another quick commercial break, but don't leave yet, listeners, because coming up next, we're going to talk to Miles about the biggest obstacle he's had in living each day to the fullest and what advice he has for other survivors regarding how their outlook can help them seize the day. We'll be right back after this quick commercial break. Anna Jaworski has spoken around the world at congenital heart defect events, and she is available as a keynote or guest speaker for your event. Go to hearttoheartwithanna.com to learn more about booking Anna for your event. You can also find out more about the radio program. Keep up to date with CHD resources and information about advocacy groups, as well as read Anna's weekly blog. Anna wants you to stay well-connected and participate in the CHD community. Visit hearttoheartwithanna.com today. Welcome back to our show, Heart to Heart with Anna, a show for the congenital heart defect community. Today, our show is Seizing the Day with Miles Schweitzer, a congenital heart defect survivor, and he has had me in stitches almost from the very beginning. But we only have a few minutes left, Miles. I can't believe how quickly this has gone. It has been so much fun. So we only do have a few minutes left, but I do want to talk to you about what the biggest obstacle is that you've had to face in living each day to the fullest given what you just told us, all the different procedures, the fact that you're living with pain on a daily basis, is that the biggest obstacle that you've had to face, dealing with the pain? No, really and truthfully, and I think it's a subject that unfortunately kind of gets scooted under the rug and not a lot of the survivors are either willing or or deal with it, maybe. Maybe I'm the only one, I don't know. But one of the biggest, or at least the biggest obstacles in my life right now is dealing with the onset depression and really the survivor's guilt that comes with it. Now, maybe it's because I'm so active in the HLHS community that causes this, but, for example, one of my biggest and longtime followers, Lilac, 
just recently lost her HLHS son. He just passed away recently. It's hard for me to get over the fact that I'm one of the oldest. And that's something that as a father of two and a husband that I've got to realize that not everybody gets that chance and not everybody has had that chance. And it's hard to talk to some of the parents afterwards because they're dealing with grieving and obviously they have those feelings and emotions and it gets hard. In fact, I know one HLHS survivor that I talked to on occasions, I had noticed they had completely stopped talking to anybody really. And I asked them why and they said it got to the point of Every day, all they saw on their news feed were babies dying. And, you know, how do we talk to the parents when we've survived? And I think that's one of the hardest things and one of the things that's kind of been swept under the rug because with Survivor's Kill, obviously, comes a sense of depression and a sense of, why really am I here? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and it's not just you, Miles. In fact, in my first season, that's one of the first shows that I did was on depression and survivor's guilt and anxiety. It's not just the survivors, but it's the parents of the survivors. I feel the same way at times. It is so hard for me to go onto Facebook and to see when children or or even long-term survivors pass away, even if they've beaten the odds and they made it to their 30s. One of my dear friends, Karen, she made it to her 30s, had never had surgery, had truncus arteriosus, and I just loved her. I love her family. And when we lost Karen, it hurt me so deeply. And I think it's the same kind of thing. Why did Alex make it? Alex had such a severe problem, and why is he still alive and Karen didn't make it? Karen isn't still with us. It hurts. It hurts to the quick. But I think what you told me about how you believe seizing the day means living each day to the fullest that you can and being there for others, when I give to others, it helps lessen the grief. And that's one of the things that, at least for me, and I told that survivor, I said, look, here's the thing. Yeah, theirs didn't make it, and yeah, we did. But that's even bigger responsibility for us to get out here and talk about it. Yeah. Because but you know what? I think is... it's okay to grieve, and I think it's okay for you and for this other friend of yours to need to take a break every now and then. I find myself feeling the same way. It seems like it happens in at least threes. We'll lose one, and then we lose another and another, and that's what hurts so badly. It's not just one. It's then another and another, and it's like yeah. a continual onslaught of mortality, mortality, mortality. We're, you know, we're all here only for a short right. time. Right, and, and it is, and it's something that I think as a community, Community. One of the greatest things that I've done is I've got a music page. I call it the Schweitzer Nation. It's under me on Facebook. But one of the greatest things about it is it's just a community of people with CHD and with a love of music. I've got a lot of my fans. But it's just that we get together and it's a group of people that come together and surround you with prayers and love in these difficult times. And I try to post every day or every other day or every week as often as I can. Mm-hmm. and update about my heart families. I think that's great, and I think we need to continually remind ourselves how precious each and every day is. And I think it's okay to love people knowing that we may not be able to talk to them tomorrow. I mean, we have to be okay with that. And that's one of the things that I see people have trouble with, is that they'll be part of the community, and then when they start seeing people die, they completely withdraw because they know that somebody else they care about could pass away. But I think that loving somebody, even knowing 
that t- tomorrow could be their last day. For heaven's sake, tomorrow could be my last day. It could be anybody's last day. You have to open yourself up to love. And when you open yourself up to love, and to love completely, then you get it back. You get it back and then right. some. And yes, the grief is bad, but I think the grief can be tempered. And I agree. I just think that going forward, there's a lot of things that the community and we as individuals can do to help, and that's what I've tried to do. I did a show on music and art therapy and how that can be used to help us deal with depression and to help us when we're in the hospital. And I really probably need to do a lot more shows about music and art therapy because I think both of those types of therapy are so healing and can be almost free. And I got to see it when we went to see Kira. We got to see that in action. Like I said, her heart rate went down. She was up playful. Of course, we had to sing so much Frozen (laughs) that I really felt like I was in summer. We just let it go. That is so funny. (laughs) But I love that. I just, I absolutely love that. And when Alex was in the hospital, I brought tapes of music that he liked. And it's so funny because here it is 21 years later, and my husband was just talking to me about one of the CDs that we used to bring. And he said he heard it the other day, and it just brought back all of these feelings, but good feelings, because that was one of the things that we used to help us to deal with it. Well, we only have a minute left, but I would love to know what advice you would give to CHD survivors regarding their outlook and how their outlook can help them to seize the day? I think the biggest thing is to just get out there and help somebody. And I think when you help somebody, you help yourself. And when you love hard and you get out there and you just do it, it's the biggest reward. Whether it's just calling somebody on the phone. I talk to Kira Bell's grandma just about every day. You know, I think they've adopted me, unfortunately, for them. (laughs) They got the crazy brother now. But I think it's just showing people that you love them, showing people that, yeah, we may not have tomorrow, but we have today. So let's do the best that we can with what we do have. So tonight I'm getting ready to probably go get my pants scared off with my loving wife. Probably going to go to a haunted house, and I'll throw her in front of a zombie or two. The zoo here in Tulsa is doing a big deal, so I get to do that. And then tomorrow we're going trick-or-treating. And it's just living every day to its fullest and spending time with those that you love and those you love the most. Well, this has been so much fun. I'm so glad that you seized the opportunity to come on this show today because I have so enjoyed this. But unfortunately... Thank you for having me. I really do appreciate it. This has been so much fun. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Miles, and for sharing with me your music and your philosophy of life. I think it's wonderful. Hopefully, we will inspire somebody who is listening to the show. Right. And then they can use their life to go out and help somebody else. Really, that's what it's all about. That's what this radio show is all about. That's what Hearts Unite the Globe, which sponsors the radio show, that's what we're all about, being in service to the congenital heart defect community. And it sounds to me like you've decided to devote your life to doing the same thing. And I just love that. I find it very inspiring. That concludes this episode of Heart to Heart with Anna. Thanks for listening today. Please come back next week on Tuesday at noon Eastern Time. And until then, please find and like us on Facebook. Check out Miles' page, too, and like him. Check out our website, hearttoheartwithanna.com, and our Cafe Press Boutique, and follow our radio show on Blog Talk Radio and Spreaker. And remember, my friends, you are not alone. 
Thank you again for joining us this week. We hope you've been inspired and empowered to become an advocate for the congenital heart defect community. Heart to Heart with Anna, with your host, Anna Jaworski, can be heard every Tuesday at 12 noon Eastern Time. We'll talk again next week. We'll be right back.